Happy New Year. I'm glad to see you. We welcome you and we welcome those worshiping with us online this morning. I'm glad that you're here today. I want to talk about boldness. Now, let me ask you, any of y'all go to high school? Anybody here go? Didn't make it that far. It's, uh, you know, I'm from Tennessee. You have to ask that question, you know. There are some folks from Arkansas here, too. I, you know, I don't know. Okay, well, listen, 100 years ago, really about 45 years ago in high school, I played football. I was flipping through the channels yesterday, and I saw Remember the Titans. Have y'all seen that movie? Remember? How many of you have seen that movie? How many of you have not seen that movie? How many of you really don't care either way, okay? <laughs> well, listen, uh, we, it was a great movie, and, and it's a movie where, um, you know, it reminds me of the time when I was playing ball, because I was playing back in the 70s. And, and one of the things I did during that time was I had to stand up and be bold for my faith. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on in the sermon. And we're going to be talking about being bold today. Now, I'm glad to welcome those who are worshiping with us who, who've come down from the northern country. We have people who come in this time of the year. And they're here for a period of time. Uh, they come from places way up north like Ebro, <laughs> Fountain. Bluntstown. I mean, it's a long commute. For, you know, I didn't know if they'd be able to find a place to stay this year because of the hurricane. In, in case you're from out of town, you didn't know we had a hurricane this year. Did anybody hear about that? Hurricane Michael, just a little blip on the screen. Uh, it didn't really affect our church much, but some of us had our houses affected. I was out of my house for about a month and a half. We stayed with a couple in the church who put us up, and their prayers were answered, and we left and went back home. <laughs> They're so grateful now. They're faithful. They're prayer warriors is what they are, you know. After that experience, they've learned to really grow closer to God, okay? So anyway, but we want to welcome you. We're glad that you're here. I always say welcome home because this is your home away from home. And, but you found a place. You found a place to stay. Some of you had to find a different place, but you found a place. Anyway, we're glad that you're here. Well, what is boldness? Boldness is a behavior that is born out of belief. In other words, if you've got a belief that you really believe in, then you'll be bold about it. If you don't believe in it, you won't talk about it, will you? You have to believe, and that determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. If you believe everybody's going to criticize you, then you're going to behave tentatively. If you believe you're going to fail, then you're going to behave cautiously. If you believe that God is calling you and equipping you, then you're going to be bold for God. Why? Because boldness is behavior that is born out of belief. Now, the Greek word for boldness is parousia, parousia, and it means courage, confidence, and to be able to act without fear. That, that's what it means to be bold. And I'm praying that God will take our church, and maybe we're not known for boldness, but give us courage that we might act without fear and being bold and being responsive to him. In, in answering what he's calling us to do. So in this series, next week, I'll give you a little preview, okay? You're here, little teaser, all right? Next week, we're going to talk about bold prayers. And tomorrow, you'll be hearing about this. We're going to talk about this at the end of the service. But we're beginning the 21 days of prayer. And it's going to be a great experience. And I want all of you to participate in it with us. Last August, our staff did it. We invited our core team and our church council to commit to it. We're inviting the church congregation to commit to it. We're going to meet in this room at 6 a.m. every morning, Monday through Friday. On Saturday, we're going to be here at 9. It's going to be a great time for 21 days. 
And then we're going to talk about bold speaking the next week. In the book of Acts, people spoke the word of God boldly. They preached boldly. They were courageous in their example. And then the last week, we're going to talk about bold obedience. And we're going to see men and women in the Bible who were willing to be persecuted and even killed rather than disobey the will of God. We're going to start with a guy named Peter. Now, a lot of you would be able to relate to Peter. I know I can. Peter is a guy who was characterized as somebody who had bold intentions, but early on they were followed by timid actions. Once Peter declared boldly to Jesus, hey, if everybody else falls away, I won't do that. I'll remain faithful. I'll be here. I'll be involved. I'll be right here standing beside you. And before the day ended, three times Peter denied Jesus. But something happened in Peter after that. And I pray that it will happen in you and me. When Jesus died and rose again, he encountered Peter once again. Now, here's what I want you to see. Peter had denied Christ. He, he had told him to his face that he would stand strong and he would be with him. And then he denied him and then Christ was killed. So after he was resurrected, they get a face-to-face -to -face together. Now listen, if that's the last thing you said to Jesus and you <laughs> failed miserably... How would you feel about that? And Peter can't wait to get to Jesus and talk to him about it and say, please forgive me. You know, that's the way he feels about it. Now, you may be sitting here today, and you may be thinking, well, God, God used Peter, but God can't use me. God can't use me because he doesn't know what I've done. You don't know about my past. You don't know how sorry I am. You don't realize there are things I couldn't even talk about. Jesus says, yeah, I can use you, Peter. In fact, I'm going to use you in a really, really powerful way. He, he said, you know, I've got a purpose for your life. Now, here's what I want you to hear today. God has a purpose for your life. You're not just here by accident. He didn't just put you on this planet for no reason. There's a purpose for your life, and God wants you to know that purpose and fulfill it. And, and I want you to look at the person next to you right now and say, he's talking to you. Do that right now. Tell them that. Because sometimes people say, that was a good sermon. Some of those folks in there really needed to hear that today, right? <laughs> now, listen, when they, you said he's talking to you, somebody said that back to you, didn't they? And so what I want you to hear is I'm talking to you today. Now, God says I can use you. I've got a purpose for, my, for your life. And something like a, a switch flipped in Peter. When Jesus said, it's okay, Peter. It's all right. I forgive you. Now, now go out and take care of the people. Go feed my sheep. Man, it, it changed Peter. He, he said, oh, really? You, you still want me? You, you can still use me after what I did? I'm such a failure. I, I didn't think you could do that, but boy, I, I'm going to go out and do my best. And Peter went out and he preached one of the boldest messages in history. He said, this is what he said to them now. You think I'm hard on y'all? <laughs> Listen to what he said to them. He's probably pointing his finger while he said this. You are a corrupt generation. How about that? You need to turn from your sins, repent in the name of Jesus Christ, and be baptized. How about that? And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And the New Testament church just took off. 
he and John were walking along one day and they saw a guy who had been lame for more than 40 years. Can you imagine? He hadn't been able to walk. And they stopped and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the guy got up and he started walking. Some of the temple guards from the Sanhedrin, they were the religious leaders of the day, and they kind of kept the law around there. And they saw what Peter and John had done, and they decided to bring them in and put them on trial because they were doing things in the name of Jesus. And so they did. And the Sanhedrin, it, it was a way to intimidate people and to really make them feel bad and, and really feel like they can't do anything. Peter and John were asked, by what authority do you do these things? And there's a bold response in Acts 4, 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man, or are we being questioned today because of that? And then they go on and say, Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state this to all of you and to the people of Israel. Now get this. He comes back to him. He said, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Can you imagine? I mean, that is powerful, isn't it? Let me clearly state to you, he didn't hold back, did he? The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. I cannot possibly overstate how bold that was. The Sanhedrin hated Jesus, <clears throat> and they didn't want to hear about him anymore. The foundation of all that they believed was that the resurrection could not possibly happen, and so they didn't believe in that. They said it was impossible. But Peter points his finger right at them and says, You killed Jesus, but he's been raised from the dead, and he's back. Essentially, he was making a declaration of war. Now, what's really interesting is that 2,000 years ago, the name of Jesus was so controversial. People didn't want you to even say the name of Jesus back then. The, the authorities, the people in power, the people in charge, they didn't want to hear about Jesus anymore. You know, in today's world, that's the same thing. You can talk about anything you want to talk about today. People will be accepting of all kinds of stuff. But you talk about Jesus Christ, and there'll be controversy. In our world today, people get offended if you talk about Jesus. Why? Because there's something about that name. And the enemy hates the name of Jesus. The enemy hates Jesus because Jesus conquered the enemy. And so the enemy doesn't want us to talk about Jesus, and he works real hard in the world to keep people from doing that. So Peter points at them and said, You killed Jesus, but he's back. The religious leaders can't believe what they're hearing. In verse 13, it shows their response. The members of the council, what are the next two words there? Were amazed. They were amazed, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now look, that's powerful right there, okay? And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what we just read in, in depth here. For the rest of our time together, I want us to see three bold facts about this scripture. First, God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Aren't you thankful that God uses ordinary people like you and me? 
I mean, a lot of times I, I talk to folks in the church, and they say, well, listen, I can't do that. I, I hadn't had any training to do that. I'm not able to lead. I, I, there's nothing that I have to offer. The leaders could see that Peter and John were ordinary men with no special training in Scripture. They just were people. They were just ordinary people that God used in an extraordinary way. Now, that Greek word translated as ordinary is idios. Idios, that's what it says. The word can mean unlearned, unschooled, or ordinary. But the most literal translation of idios is idiot. <laughs> idiot. That's what it's saying there. These guys were amazed. They could not believe the boldness of these idiots. That's what they're saying. <laughs> now, now, God, you, you say, well, you know, God can use the best and the brightest, but he specializes in using ordinary people. Amen. Aren't you glad? Aren't you grateful for that? And, and by the way, around these parts, you know, if you're from up in the northern regions, up around Dothan, up and you follow. You're not familiar with these southern terms I'm going to use today. There's a thing that we say in the south all the time. You think it's sweet, but it's not. Now, some of y'all, when I said this in the first service, they said, well, it's y'all, right? It's y'all. That, that's not really what I'm talking about. Y'all is singular. All y'all is plural, okay? <laughs> but but what word I'm, I want to talk about is this. Well, bless your heart. Bless your heart, yeah? You idiot. <laughs> See, I'm trying to help y'all out in case you don't need a translator. You don't understand what we're saying down here. You know, and that happens. Now, now let me just tell you, I, you know, they've said that to me a lot in life, okay? There's one time I went to the eye doctor. I was about 42 years old. I went to the eye doctor, and he said, you know, he's in my church. He said, you know, next year about this time is around my birthday. He said, you're going to need to get some reading glasses so you can read. And I said, okay. And a year went by, and one Saturday night, close to that time now, it's a year later, I'm working on my sermon. I'm looking down, I'm studying, I'm focusing. It's Saturday night. I got the weather channel on TV just so that the time is on. I've got it turned down, and I can just glance up and see what time it is real quick and go back to my notes, right? And I glance up from my sermons. And I'm looking down here, and it's the, the TV's a little bit further away. And I glance up, and my right eye goes, boing, like that. And I went, well, wait a minute. What was that? I've never had that happen before. Now, let me tell you how stupid I am, okay? This is, I'm a dummy. I got long eyelashes. I'm sorry. I was just born that way. My wife and my daughters want my eyelashes, but they can't have them. So you know what happens sometimes? I, I get, they get in my way. And, and like I'll have one that grows down, and, and I'll have to reach up there and kind of try to help it get in line, you know. And occasionally, I'll just have to yank one out every now and then. Yeah, because I'm a real man. You didn't know that about me, did you? That's right. I'm a pure man. I, and so, buddy, if they get in my way, I, well, I'm thinking I got an eyelash in the way. That's why I can't see. So idiot that I am, I'm pulling my eyelashes out. I get to the doctor, and he says, hey, you know what? Y your right eye is your dominant eye, and, and it really it sees distance now, but it doesn't really read very well. But your left eye, if you can train it, you can read with it. You know, I've got the kind of vision that a lot of people pay big money to get. Our doctors would go broke if everybody was like me. God just did it for me. I got one eye 
that I can read with and one eye that I can see distance with. It just came naturally there, okay? And I'll go to these eye doctors, and they'll check me out, and they'll go, have you had LASIKs? And I'll say, no, you're one of the few people that has that naturally. Not a lot of people have that. Well, anyway, I had to train to use my left eye so that I could read with it. He said, y your eyes are fine, but I do notice that you've got some eyelashes missing there. <laughs> he said, I'm concerned about your brain. How's it working, okay? <laughs> Bless your heart, okay? <laughs> well, God takes ordinary people and he gives them extraordinary boldness. Now, let's say you're at your workplace and everybody's gossiping and you just make a decision. You decide... I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to get involved in that. And you just quietly leave. Guess what you were? You were bold. Or, or let's say that you're a girl and you've got some girlfriends. And sometimes when y'all get dressed to go out in the evening, like on a weekend, maybe some of your friends are dressing inappropriately. And so because you're a Christian, you decide, I'm going to dress modestly to honor God. And you say, I'm not going to do that. Guess what you were? You were bold. Well, let's say you're a guy and you've got a bunch of buddies and all your buddies look at women as objects, but you choose to look at them as a creation of God and you want to honor them because one of them is going to be your future wife and you want to honor that person and God and so you have a different standard. Guess what you were? You were bold. Well, let's say that you're a businessman and there's this business deal and, boy, you can make a ton of money on this business deal, but you just don't feel right about it and it's just not really ethical. And so even though you can make a fortune on it, you decide, hey, I can't do that. And you walk away. Guess what you were? You were bold. Now, God can take ordinary people and he can give them extraordinary boldness. Did you know there's a cooking show called Chopped? Has anybody ever seen that show? Chopped? Yeah? Okay, here's what happens on Chopped. Yeah, you've seen it. You've seen it. See, I didn't make it up. She's seen it. Okay, well, on this show Chopped, here's what happens. If, if, you, uh, if you don't win, in other words, if you're the chef and you're cooking and you're competing with these other people and somebody else wins and you don't win, you get chopped off the show, okay? That's the way that works. But the one who wins, wins $10,000, okay? Now, there's this guy from Albany, New York named Lance. And he's on the show, and he's a Christian. And there's this girl on the show that he's working with, and she is there, and she's going through a difficult time in her life. And it's just a very painful time, and she's struggling. And, and man, she really needs to win this $10,000. And so they get to talking and find out that she's going through a hard time. So this guy, Lance, says, well, I'm going to pray for you. And, I, and he prayed for her. But she got chopped anyway. She got chopped <laughs> off the show at the end. But she, she made it to the end of the show. But this guy, Lance, wins. He wins the show. He wins first place. He gets $10,000, right? That's a pretty big deal, and he really needed the money. But what did he do? Well, he felt like God was speaking to him. <laughs> he said, Lance, I know you need that money, but I want you to do something. I want you to give it to that girl. And Lance, he said, I've got to be obedient to God. And so he, he said in front of the whole TV audience, he said, hey, I won this, but, but I feel like God is telling me to give this $10,000 to her. I'm going to give it to her. And at the end of the show, you see this guy with his hands lifted up to heaven, praising God. And there's not a dry eye in the place. And they're all crying and tears of joy, and they're just amazed 
And this guy has made God look really good on national television. Why? Because he listened. He was obedient. And he was bold. And God was blessed. And everybody there and everybody watching, was, it was a God thing. And you can't deny a God thing. See, when God shows up and he works through people like you and me, it's just amazing. Through ordinary people who have extraordinary boldness. Now, second, your boldness will amaze the world. What were they? The members of the council were amazed. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Why were they amazed? Because they had the authority to kill these two guys because of what they were doing. And the two guys didn't care. <laughs> two guys said, you can kill us if you want to. But we're going to rise again just like Jesus. And we're going to be faithful to him. And it really doesn't matter what the world does to us. Because we're his. We belong to him and we're going to be obedient. And when I was in high school, I got up on the bench after I rededicated my life to Christ. I, I had gone through the football season. And then it was January, my junior year in high school, about this time of the year, and a buddy took me to a Bible study. I rededicated my life to Christ. I went back, and I called my football buddies together, and I stood up on the bench in the locker room. I said, I need to tell you what happened. And I wanted to honor God. And so I told them how I made a commitment to Christ. And I didn't know how they would receive it. I didn't know what they would do, what they would say, if they'd make fun of me, if they'd just kind of write me off. To my amazement, they sat there very politely, and they listened, and they didn't make fun. and They didn't say a word. They just listened. And, and they, they just, well, that's good. I'm glad. But I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm not ready. I'm too young. I'm not ready to do that yet. And so I just was bold. Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time Somebody was amazed by your boldness for God. When was the last time that you felt led to do something and you stood up and did it because you knew that's what God wanted you to do and God was honored and people were amazed by it? I'm talking about being bold with your integrity. I'm talking about being bold and serving people in the name of Jesus and encouraging people where they say, you know, there's just something different about that person. When people look at you, do they look at you and say, this guy, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. I can just tell, I can see Jesus in them. Where you're so generous with your money and with your heart and your time that you earn the right to say to people, can I tell you? about my God because you've been there for them and they want to listen. Some of you will say, well, I'd like to be that way, but I'm not that way. I'd like to be that kind of person, but, but I'm really not that kind of person. What can I do to become that kind of person? Well, that leads us to point number three. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. In the end, in verse 13, it says, they also recognized them as men who what? Who had been with Jesus. When you are with Jesus, he changes you. And people see that. They see that in you. How could Peter stand in the face of possible death and declare what he did? Because he knew Jesus. 
He was bold because he'd been with Jesus. Remember this, boldness is not the goal. Knowing Jesus is the goal. Boldness is the byproduct. When you're directed by the Spirit, he's going to give you divine opportunities after opportunity, divine appointments every day. You're just going to, people are going to be brought to you. God's just going to bring people to you, and you're going to get a chance to say something to them in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's going to make a difference in where they spend eternity. And you think you can't do that. You think that God can't use you, that you're not important enough, that you don't know enough. But listen, he can. And later on, you may find out about it. You may not. But you've been faithful and obedient. Now on your outline, there's a little circle there. I want you to look at it real quick. And it just simply says, time with Jesus. Build your faith which leads to boldness that produces spiritual results, okay? Time with Jesus builds your faith, which leads to boldness that produces spiritual results. As your faith grows, your boldness grows. As your boldness grows, your results grow. When you see spiritual results, you want to spend more time with Jesus. You get more faith, and when you see God at work, it leads to even more boldness now the opposite is also true as well though when you don't spend time with Jesus you don't have much faith so you're not going to be bold you end up living your life on a superficial level basing it on things of the world and you're wondering why you're so empty all the time there's so much more God wants to do in and through you to make a difference in the world so be encouraged why? Because God has a purpose for you. Look at the person next to you and say, God has a purpose for you. That's what Peter found out. Peter found out, hey, I've still got a purpose in life. You can still use me. I'm so grateful, and man, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to be used by God. You're not just here to just kind of float through life and, and get through the easy way. You're here on this earth. You may do different things for a living, but you're here on this earth to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. So be encouraged. You've got a purpose. You know, I told you I stood up and I spoke to the football boys. And later on, there was a boy named Jay Elam. He was one of my buddies. He played football. And we went on to college. He went one college. I went to another. He came and found me one night. I was at my girlfriend's house on the weekend. We were in college. And he said, hey, listen, I just want to tell you, I went off to college. I tried everything there was to try. But I remembered what you said that day in the locker room in high school. He said, I got down on my face in my trailer. And I made a commitment to Christ. And I just wanted you to know about it. And he got married and had two kids, and he's a Sunday school teacher in Morrison, Tennessee today in a Baptist church. I was sitting in my office serving a church in Navarre, Florida, and I got a phone call from a guy that was in my high school that we played football together. His name was Jeff Ginson. He was living in South Carolina, and I hadn't talked to him in years. He tracked me down one day, and I answered the phone. He said, hey, Joe, I just wanted to tell you, you know, you talked to us when we were in high school about making a commitment. He said, I did that, and today I'm a Methodist preacher. I didn't even know that. 
And, you know, I'll run into people all the time. My mother and father will run into people in town, and they'll ask about me, and they'll say, how's he doing? Where's he living now? What's going on? And then they'll tell them all the time about my witness to them in high school. I didn't even know I had that much influence. <laughs> they even listened to anything I said. I, I didn't know that. You know, when you fall in love with Jesus, you just overflow with spiritual boldness to help people. People who don't know the joy of Christ in their lives. And you want to see that for them. And you pray for them. And you'll help them, and you'll encourage them, and you'll speak to them. And I, I just pray that God will stir up a spirit of boldness with you and me. Let's pray about that. Father, Lord, I pray that every person who can hear this message right now would just surrender and say, Lord, I, I want to be bold for you. Lord, I've never believed in myself. I've never thought I could do anything special for you, but I... Lord, I will do whatever you call me to do. Lord, I, I, I want to make a difference in life. I really believe that you do have a purpose for me being on this earth. And Lord, I just pray that you give me the boldness to do it, to be faithful and obedient. I, I want to be a part of this 21 days of prayer. I, I want to be a part. I want to join together with folks, and, and I want to do that. And I want to just see how you affect the church. And we'll give you the glory and the praise. I want to see how you affect the community. I want to see how you affect the world because we're being faithful and obedient. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me tell you something real quick. Let me tell you about something. In the book of Genesis, I've been reading through the Bible in a year, and I've been reading in Genesis, and it says in Genesis 11, it says that they were building the Tower of Babel. And God came down and he spoke to the people. And it's God speaking. And here's what he says. And this is a paraphrase. Now that they are united, nothing will be impossible for them. Now how were they united? They were united around the concept of building the Tower of Babel. And why did they want to build the Tower of Babel? Fame. We can be famous. We can have the tallest tower in the world. We can stretch up and reach up to the heavens. Everybody will want to come and see the tower that we built. And God says, now that they're united, nothing will be impossible. So he confused their language so that they couldn't succeed. But I want you to look at the flip side of that. What if the Woodlawn Church said, hey, we want to be united for God. So we're going to participate in 21 days of prayer. And we're going to ask God to speak to us individually and collectively as a church. And we're going to ask for his perfect will for us. And whatever he calls us to do, we're going to be faithful and obedient. And we're going to do it even if it means we got to be bold. We're going to stand up for God. We're going to do what God's calling us to do. Can you imagine if the whole church was united? Now that they are united, nothing, nothing is impossible for them. Can you imagine if we were united for the right reason? Do you realize that, that God could take this body of people 
he could bless the whole world? He could. We just want to be faithful and obedient to God. And we might be the ones who lead just because of our faithful obedience. God just uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, what if you did that and you look back on your life later on? You said, one time the preacher challenged us to do 21 days of prayer. And I lost a little sleep. But man, <laughs> the results were amazing. I, I had no idea what God was going to do. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I made a little sacrifice to see a godly result. Six o'clock in the morning so people can come for an hour and go to work. It doesn't end there. <laughs> it's just the beginning. So I want to ask those today who are helping with communion to come and prepare.